Welcome to the podcast, Your Turn Women, with your host, Melody Holman. In this podcast, we'll explore women's health with stories, interviews, and the cheers for when goals are achieved. But the best part of all will be for you as a woman to learn to say fuck off to everyone who tells you what you should do and to say yes to taking back what you need to be at your optimum health. Hey ladies, it's Melody again with Your Turn Women and I am going to be talking to you a little bit about more about my running beginning. I left you off. I had already shit my pants and cleaned myself up, started to find some power and now I want to talk a little bit about the marathon. So I shared, right, you know my friends who are doing it with me. We got Dawn and we got Nicole and Michelle and found out all about oh, their running journey a little bit and and mine sort of was taking on a mind of its own. I'd found that running was now becoming a part of who I was, not just something that I did. I couldn't wait to go for a run. Running brought me this deep sense of joy and accomplishment that I hadn't really ever felt before. Even in raising my kids, it just felt so much more personal and powerful And it was really just about me. So every Saturday morning, I would get up and I would go to Borges Run Camp. And they had a great uh, support network of people who would help us. And on my running journey, I began discovering pain because I was running a really long way. And so all of a sudden, I was probably up to maybe, I don't know, 10 miles or something on the weekends. And man, I was having so much knee and shin discomfort. And it got to the point where it was a little bit more than just discomfort. It was now shooting pain, radiating pain. And thankfully, at the Borges Run Camp, they would have um, physical therapists and um, doctors who would come in and sort of help take a look at us when we were done with our runs or if we were having any trouble. And I had Dr. Goodwin was happy to be there one day when I was coming, hobbling back in. I tried to do a run and I remember I had turned a corner and there was actually another doctor who came up and ran past me and asked, are you all right? I'm like, yes, I think I'm going to walk back. And there's something about being a runner and then becoming a walker. It was like I had been going forward, 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 and all of a sudden now I'm going backward. And I couldn't understand that. It wasn't on my journey. That wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Like I was a runner now and runners run and runners only run. And I discovered that, no, that is not necessarily the case. Sometimes runners end up walkers and walk runners. And so it was a snowy winter day, of course, because it's in the middle of winter and we're in Michigan. And I end up walking back and I'll never forget the defeat and almost I don't want to say the word shame and use it lightly, but I was ashamed. Isn't that funny? Like I was in pain and I felt shame that I couldn't run through that pain. I thought real runners run through it. Real runners buck up. Real runners, right? I had like this mental idea of what a real runner was and I no longer was it. And so those old feelings of shame and unworthiness and 
and see, you really can't do it, started to creep back in my mind on that run. And runners would pass me. And there's nothing worse than a runner passing you going, oh, good job as you're walking. I actually, when I go out to lead my ladies, my your turn ladies, and um, I try not to tell anyone good job. It isn't so much that I don't think they're doing a good job, but I can still see myself in that moment being told good job and wanting to kick them in the face. I, I felt like, I felt like, well, you gave this a shot. Now it's over. And when I talked to you about running and my weight loss was such a great journey, it also, this experience reminds me of the fact that it doesn't bring you to that joy or that feeling that you want to have necessarily. It might do it in the moment, but then the other moments creep in because reality hits. And all of a sudden, like me, you might end up injured and or sick. I had to bail on a half marathon I'd been training for because I was too sick to do it. But this particular time, I'm walking back and I'm feeling like the biggest fraud. Like I had been putting on, you know, when you're a kid and you wear your grandma's or your mom's high heel shoes or... Um, their clothes, their necklaces, and you know, even rings and jewelry and stuff. I felt like I was a total fraud. I thought I was a runner and I'm not, I'm nothing. I was just like the, the, the prick of the tears want to come to my eyes right now. As I remember walking back in defeat and feeling that feeling of old Mel, normal Mel. The Mel that hadn't yet found what she truly needed. And I'm walking back and people are good jobbing me and I'm becoming angrier and angrier. And so then I decide it must be somebody else's fault, right? Because sometimes those feelings of unworthiness and shame, then they end up coming out in anger, right? I'd been doing everything right. I'd done the hips to nips. I had gotten strong, right? This isn't my fault. This is someone else's fault. This has to be something else's fault, So I make it back to where we were meeting, which happened to be at that time, Borges. And I go in and I talk to Dr. Goodwin, who happens to be there. And he says, I really, you know, think that you need to um, come in and make an appointment. And so I do. I made an appointment. He's like, don't run until then. He showed me sort of how to tape up my leg, which it was like, it was like this weird foam tape that you can wear and it sort of handles the sweat. And I don't know. Anyway, I had to like tape my bone in. It was like my bone was popping out. Like, so there's two shin bones, right? There's two bones in your lower leg. And one of mine was popping out. And to be honest, I don't remember which one it was. It was the smaller of the two, but I don't know which, what their names are at this moment. Anyway, so he sort of helps tape me up and Tells me to call and make an appointment. So I do. I go in. I make an appointment. And he gives me the news I'd been waiting for. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It was my shoes. It was my shoes. I had been fitted for the wrong shoes. Oh. It is, you know, there's something about having someone else to blame for your problems, right? Like, Everyone else, we can blame everyone for everything, right? It's their fault I eat too much. They shouldn't have taught me. They shouldn't have raised me on this diet. It's your fault I'm unhealthy because um, you make me want to do all of these things for you and I don't do anything for myself. It's your fault that 
this happened. It's your fault that that happened. You know, we can blame it on somebody else when we run out of gas, right? So shouldn't someone else have been checking our gas gauge? So he gave me the exact news I wanted, which was it was somebody else's fault. It was my shoes. So now I had a place to put place to put my blame and blame. I did right. I ran down there, not ran. I went down to the shoe store. You know, you guys did this, blah, blah. I, be, I was, I was just crazy. And again, all it does is remind me that I was still not at a place of inner peace. Running had been great. Weight loss had been great. I had found my power. I had found something that made me feel good in the doing of it, in the receiving of the weight loss. But I was no, I was no closer to joy than I was before. It was a band-aid. I had put this band-aid on and it was called weight loss and it was called running and I wore it. And the minute it was taken away, I was back to old Mel. Everything is everyone else's fault. Everything is everyone else's problem. You did this to me. It could never be me. I didn't know how to take personal responsibility for my life. And of course, it was the shoes, not my fault. Again, not my fault. Could have recognized it earlier before what ended up happening was... I don't even know what it was called, but there was some syndrome that I had. The way I was running was uh, stretching, making my bone, my leg move in a certain way, which is stretching out this ligament. And this ligament is the one that sort of holds that bone in place. And so now I had to tape the bone into place to keep it there and not run for a while and get different shoes. So I got into the pool. I did some water running. I got on the elliptical, did some of that. I focused on core conditioning, right? Hips to nips, did more stuff in the weight room. And I can't remember if it took me a few weeks and all of the same things were in there. It's not my fault if I can't run it. I might as well quit now. I don't need to be that person anymore. She wasn't really any good anyway. She really was no different anyway. But I'm not a quitter. I will say of all the things I am and all the things I'm not, I'm not a quitter. So I did, I kept going. I kept going and once I was finally recovered, I would run I would do my elliptical and then I'd run a mile. I'd do my water running and then I'd do two miles. Finally, within, you know, a few weeks I was back to running and then pretty soon because I had gotten really strong, I was back to doing the mileage no problem. I ran a few nights a week and I am one of those runners that is so annoying. Because I start running and the endorphins kick in and I get high as a kite. And so my friend Dawn and I would run one night a week together. And I was still running with Colleen and we would run one night a week together. And this particular day, it was in March. It was the day before my birthday. So my birthday's in March. Dawn and I were running on the night before and it was raining. It was, it was, um dreary. It was gray. It was dark. It was late. It was late at night because both of us had kids. Although she could have run in the day, but I couldn't because my kids were too young and I wasn't allowed to leave them in the tot spot at the Y and run outside. And neither one of us wanted to do these long runs inside on the treadmill if we could help it. So it was late at night. It was, it was spitting rain. It wasn't like downpour. It was just nasty spit. And it was so dreary. And we were running on this road that was really curvy. 
So you couldn't always see who was coming up before you or who was coming up behind you. And if you're a runner, you know you got to run on the side of the road where you're facing traffic, right? Traffic's coming at you. But it just felt like it was brutal. I can't remember. We must have been running like six or eight miles. But it was far enough. And it was late enough. And it was cold enough. And it was junky enough. And I was high. I was high like that's how I get when I run. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I catch the running high within a few miles. And usually I can stick to it until about 18 or 19 miles before my before my brain starts to um, give out and I get kind of ornery. My body starts to get tired. Anyway, in this particular night, Dawn was not having it. She was pissed that we had to run at night because she wanted to run during the day when her kids were in school and I couldn't. We wanted to run together. We loved each other, right? Like she, and she was doing this because she wanted to run with me. And so um, her family's at home and I don't know what was going on at home. Maybe they want, needed her to do something or maybe she felt like she needed their, needed to be there to do something with them. But either way, she was in a state and I was in the opposite state. I was chipper and I was carefree and I was, let's go do this. And we are so awesome. And I was all of the super great things. And she was all of the, I can't believe that we have to be out here late at night to do this. We should be running during the day. Anyway, whatever it was that night, she broke up with me. Yeah, she was my girlfriend and she broke up with me. She didn't want to run anymore at night. She didn't want to run in the dark. She didn't want to run in the rain. She didn't want to run in the cold. She didn't want to run with me at night. And we decided to go back. We turned around and we went back to the Y. We had parked at, so we have two Ys in our, we actually have three, but there's two Ys in Kalamazoo area. And um, we went, walked back to the parking lot of the Y that we had met at and she was out. She was all done. I got on the treadmill to finish up my run. And again, right? Somebody else's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's, it's again, it's, it's, it's like the mindset that you have, it goes great when things are going well. And when things aren't going well, it's somebody else's fault. So it was right. I loved Dawn and I didn't want it to be her fault that she was just having a, having a bad rough night, right? We all have those nights. So I'm going to blame my husband who had been super supportive. I was going to blame my kids who were like, you know, two. Like, yeah, that seems reasonable. I was going to blame the why. The why should have been willing to let me leave my kids there while I went for my run. I had my phone on me. Why is that a rule? That's a dumb rule. I fueled that run on that treadmill that night, hating every single other person other than me and Dawn. It wasn't until probably the end of the run that I was done blaming everyone else and I decided I was going to start to blame Dawn, <laughs> right? If she hadn't been in such a bad mood, if she wasn't such a jerk, she was in no way a jerk. I loved her. No way a jerk, right? She was tired. She didn't want to run at night. It's cold. It's wet. It's dark. It really probably wasn't very safe to be out on that particular road in those particular conditions. Anyway, but it was just another reminder again. That yeah, everything was great until it wasn't. And then when it wasn't, then things went south. So finished that run. The next day was my birthday. I go home that night. I tell my husband, Dawn broke up with me. She doesn't want to run with me anymore. The next day, he almost always takes my birthday off. 
It is just the gift that he gives to me. When the kids were younger, he would watch the kids on the day of my birthday and I would get to go to Barnes and Noble and sit and have a latte, right? Probably a mocha choca latte with a muffin. And um, I'd sit and I'd read. Reading is one of my favorite pastimes. And browsing, if I'm not reading, I'm perusing. It's my other favorite pastime. I love to be in bookstores. I just love them. And so he always took that day off. Well, this particular day, he said, I'll drive you to the Y. I always went to the Y in the morning. and I met up with my girls in the La La La. Have I told you what the La 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 is yet? The La 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 is the fancy word for women's full service locker room. And I know I told you about it before, so I'm not going to go into it again. But I said, I'm not going, hun. i I'm not going back there. Dawn broke up with me and I don't want to go back there and do that right? Do whatever by myself. No, Mel, just go, just go. Nope. Nope. No, I'm not going. I actually remember crying. I'm going to cry now thinking about it. I'm not going back there. Dawn wasn't nice to me and she doesn't want to be friends with me anymore. He's like, Mel, it was a bad run. Don't worry about it. Go back to the Y. He said, I'm driving you to the Y. I'm driving you. This is where you belong. This is your happy. I called it my happy place. This is your happy place. So I packed up my stuff and I went to the Y with no anticipation of doing anything other than sitting in the sauna. I loved to lay out naked in the steam room first. Then I would take a shower. Then I would go to the sauna. I was naked all over that place. Anyway, I go into the Y. I go downstairs to the la la la. And there my friends had planned a surprise birthday party for me. It seems so silly, right? Like, as I reflect on that, I remember thinking at that moment, I was all alone. And that's what the mind does to us. If we don't have control, if we don't have the focus, we can let any one experience derail us completely. It was like, after that experience, I thought no one loved me. Well, I had all these friends that I had made at the Y. Moving was more than just feeling good about inside my body, but I had made wonderful friendships. Kate and Michelle and Nicole and Berta and, oh, Rebecca. They were all downstairs waiting for me at the Y. They had donuts. I love donuts. I just love donuts. They had fruit. I love fruit. I totally love fruit. They had all of my favorite things down there and More important than all those things were all those women. All those women who I was going through this amazing journey with, who I didn't have before. It's not that I didn't have any friends, but every every one of my friends was in their own world. They had their own kids and we couldn't see each other. This was like friends in my face going out of their way for me. And I hadn't had that. In a really long time. I remember that being one of the most amazing experiences during that running journey. At least the beginning of it. Those women waiting for me at the bottom of the stairs. You have to watch all these. Walk down these stairs. And there's like this little kitchenette area. with This sitting area. And there they were waiting for me. Happy birthday Mel. Happy birthday. See, I'd created this network without intention. It's just what happened organically, which is, you know, 
the way most of the best friendships start. But I did not know how much I missed it until I thought after that one experience that it had been taken away from me, again, somebody else's fault. But then the reminder that life is so much bigger than just one experience. Jimmy said later that day, because he had to come back because I wasn't going to drive myself. So he had to come back and pick me up. And he's like, I told you, I told you it was just a bad run. But in our minds, sometimes it can't just be one thing. It's got to be the whole world blew up, right? It can't just be a headache. It's got to be the worst migraine ever. And now I got to go to the hospital or it can't just be, it always has to be bigger. Our minds, you know, Eckhart Tolle says the only pain we have is because of our minds. And, and I think that that's probably true. So often, and then I forget who else would say, right? Looking at the zebra drinking water with half of its ass chewed out because it had gotten attacked and survived a lion. And they're just sitting there drinking the water, right? They didn't make it into a big thing. I had made that one run into this big, huge thing. And then I realized it wasn't. So this is, this is, this is just some of the things that are reminders that we can lose the weight and become these things. And still our minds, if our minds aren't right, they just derail us time and time and time again. So after that wonderful breakfast of my, I don't even know what birthday it was. I was married when I, well, so it was in 2000, not that anybody cares. It doesn't matter. So anyway, so again, now we're all best friends. <sighs> we're going to start running again together. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We both said I'm sorry. And so the following Saturday, we meet up and do our run at Borges Run Camp. And our runs continue. Sometimes we run up and down um, the street by the Y if I can get out of there without anyone noticing that I'm not. I hate to say that I did that, but I did sometimes. I know it's not right, but anyway, it's fine. Um, And my next running experience that really was the catalyst for my next big change was the miles are getting up there. I'm feeling pretty good inside my body. And I am out, we're doing a, I cannot remember if it was the six, I remember where I was, but I don't remember if it was the 16 mile long run or the 18 mile long run. And I'm out and I was running alone. And one of the things as a runner, you can run with people, but it doesn't always mean that you're running with people. You're sort of like running when other people are running along the same route as other people. It doesn't mean that you're like running with them side by side. And and there are times that you might want to be running with them side by side. And then there are times that you might want to be on your own inside your own head without, you know, listening to the chatter or, you know, sort of being responsible to have chatter. And this was one of those runs. I'm out and it is, like I said, either a 16 or 18 mile run. And all of a sudden I had turned I, I can see where I was. I had turned this corner and it was so cold and so snowing that day. It was like there was frost and ice crystals on your eyelashes and on your eyebrows. And and so you wear these, if you run in the winter, you wear these things, they're called muffs. So it's like a hat for your neck, right? So it's open on both the top and the bottom. 
and you'll pull it up over your mouth and sometimes over your nose because drawing in deep breaths when that wind or that air is, you know, around zero or below, you just need to, you just need to cover it up. It, it just, it's too cold to take in. And so then you would move the muff, right? So your breath, right, would make the, the thing in the, what am I trying to say? Your breath sort of makes condensation on your muff. And so you end up needing to move the muff around. Well, the next thing you know, you got the, that condensation now when you're not breathing into it gets icy cold. And so I used to run with two muffs. I had like the cotton one and then I had a fleece one over top. So sometimes I'd start with one, sometimes I'd start with the other, but I couldn't take it because once the cold part gets to the back of your neck, when you keep swoofing that muff around, it's it's awful. And this particular day, I had both muffs and they were both frozen and I wasn't even halfway yet. So I'm out, I turn this corner, everything is completely froze and I look down and I notice that there are no other footprints because it was snowy and it was fresh, fresh snow, like it was snowing out. And I look down and my footprints are the only ones And I don't know what happened. I, to this day, I think about the poem Footprints in the Sand when there was only one set. It was when I was carrying you. Look at, I'm crying. I'm always crying. But anyway, I don't know what went on, but all of a sudden, I was, I I told you I get runner's high. This was like, all of a sudden, I fell in love with myself. It was the weirdest experience I've ever had. It was like, I recognized that I was bigger than me. It doesn't make sense, and I'm aware. I recognized that I had never truly loved myself, and now I did. And it wasn't just that I loved me. It was like in that moment, I was love. I fell so deeply in love with myself in that moment. I was hysterical. I was bawling and I was laughing and I was, I, I was, I was beyond any other emotion that I could describe. And it went on for a while. I, I just kept, I couldn't even think I'd like, I'd like to say I was thinking, but I couldn't think I was love. I was love. I loved me. I loved everything I was doing. I loved everything about me. I loved, I loved who I was and I loved the shape I was in and I loved the work I was doing. And I loved, I loved, I loved the journey that I had been on. I loved Mel before Mel was decent, a decent human. I have done so many things in my life that were not decent. I loved me from before then and I loved myself. I'd never felt like that. And I didn't know what it was. And as I turned around to try and find my way back to footprints, that held for a while, that love I had, that held for a little while. And I some point when I was running back, I started to come out of it 
and you don't realize you're in it. I guess that's it. You don't realize when you're in that state that it is a state. It was like, I didn't realize it till I was out of the state and I came back to myself. I came back to the pain inside my body. I came back to the cold. I came back to the doubt. I came back to the fear. I came back to the unworthiness and the shame. And I came back to the pride that I had to keep going. I came back to the the joy of what I had just accomplished. But it was like now they were all mingled. Where for a little while there was none of the negative and only the positive. And that doesn't happen very often. As a matter of fact, it had never happened to me before. But what happened after that was now that I had felt that, that's all I could think about. I didn't know what that was, but I wanted it. It was the greatest feeling of my whole life. And all I wanted was that feeling back. And I couldn't even really describe it to anyone because it wasn't like it's describable. Even me here trying to tell you there are no words. The greatest, the the only thing I can think of is Jim Carrey, the comedian and the actor. He has a video that he does up for Eckhart Tolle. And he had that experience. And he tries to talk about it. And if you want to get on the Googler, get on the Googler and Google Jim Carrey, Eckhart Tolle, and you'll find the video. And the only thing I can describe it as is, is that. That feeling of purity. That feeling where there's nothing else in the way. At the time, I didn't know about Jim Carrey or Eckhart Tolle. But now that I look back, that is what it was. And I watch his video sometimes as a sort of remembrance to me of feeling that way. And all I wanted was to find that feeling again because the other feelings were so much smaller and yet so overpowering. And so I I began trying to come up with it and I and I and I started to run more powerfully if all I could say because I thought maybe it was the run that did it to me maybe it was running maybe that's what it was maybe if I ran harder or maybe if I ran longer and all I could think about it as like uh like a drug addict or a um a gambling addict I think a drug addict you can like you sort of know that's the feeling that's coming. We're more like running is sort of like gambling. You don't know if you're going to catch it or not. Like you go out, you get to the casino, you get your 500 bucks or, you know, that's an exaggeration. I've never gotten that much money, but you know, but you go and you got it in your pocket and you're going to go shoot for the win. And, and you find that feeling when you win. And that's sort of like the runner's high, right? Like you go out for a run. You don't know if today's the day. You don't know. Is today going to be the day? Is today going to be the day that I find the high? Is today going to be the day that I find that feeling again? I was chasing a feeling and I didn't know what that feeling was. And that fueled the rest of my runs. 
every single time I went out and I caught a runner's high so often. I told you, I can catch a runner's high running two miles. I can catch a runner's high running 18. I catch that runner's high like I just let myself go. I run how I feel and I just let it take me. I feel like I've got wings on my feet. I feel like my breath is connected to the air that I breathe. I feel like there's nothing I can't do. Running to me is like everything. It's everything. It was everything. And now that I had had that even greater feeling, I thought there must be more out there. So I thought it was running. So I just kept running. I ended up, of course, well, not of course, but I did make it to the marathon. My, um, we get there in the morning. This is the morning of the marathon and we show up early. You got to show up really early, right? I had had my hair dyed. My friend Dawn and I both went and had our hair done. She had hers tinted pink. She's a blonde. I have darker hair and I had my hair dyed purple. And what they had done was by this time I'd gotten all of my hair cut off because I told you how hot and fabulous I was and hair could not get in the way. So I had my hair cut super short, like I do now, and they bleached some of the bits of it, right? So imagine the old school frosting caps where they would pull your hair through the cap, and that's the part that they would bleach. And then they dyed my whole head this super duper dark dark black purple. But the pieces that had been bleached were like electric. So I'm out at my run. It's the day of the marathon. 26.2, baby. I got the right colored bib on because you get the half marathon bib and the 5K colored bib. And well, now they have, they've added a 10K. At that time, they didn't. And then you've got the marathon colored bib. And I used to joke at my husband, my husband was only a halfer, right? Dawn and I were the full marathon runners and everyone else was a halfer, right? Like that's no small feat. I know that. But at the time I was feeling like just a way to differentiate myself between my greatness and my husband's greatness. (laughs) Anyway, and so it's the morning of the race. And today's the day. I've worked so hard for this. I had run my longest run up to that was 22 miles. I'm ready to go. I am totally ready. I got all my snacks. So here's what I love for my snacks. I like the jelly beans. Not not like not like the sports beans, but like jelly beans. Jelly beans are like my favorite candy. And I got the junior mints. And because you never know, sometimes when I run my breath, oh, my mouth feels so yuck, 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 yuck. So I got the junior mints. It's one of my favorites. And I had the M&Ms. So I am stockpiled up and I've got these baggies and the baggies are pinned to me like with safety pins. So I've got my baggie of jelly beans and my baggie of M&Ms and my baggie of junior mints. And so I could just open them up and right dip my hand in. So that's done. I feel so good. I got my fanny pack on for whatever extras I might need toilet paper. And um, I had eaten plenty of cheese before this, so I should have been fine. And, and turns out I was. And it's time to go. Like there's nothing else to do. When you train for something like this, there's nothing else to do on the day of the race than trust that you've done everything you can and run it. I had borrowed somebody's Garmin. I really, I set it to a pace that's too slow and a pace that's too fast and set out. 
while the run around Kalamazoo, we had been training on the race route. So there was nothing on this race route that was going to surprise me. I had run every inch of that route throughout my training, which is one of the greatest things about Borges Run Camp, which is one of the reasons why when your turn trains women to run, we do the best that we can to train you on that race route. So there's no question. You don't wonder. You just know. I knew where my challenging parts were going to be. One of them was the engineering park. I knew where my favorite parts were, hills. Hills are my favorite. I love to run up hills. I love to run down hills. I love the power in running both. I just love it. Drake Hill is pretty tall, pretty long. And at the bottom of that hill, they had the Rocky, right? The Rocky anthem. I had the music on my iPod, right? So I had my music. It was ready to go. I had it sort of, I'd known the race course so much. I sort of knew maybe what I'd be wanting during these different times. And so I was ready for that. And we set off. First couple miles are always too fast, right? You got to try to remember constantly. Slow up, slow up, slow up. Started out running with a few people I didn't know, just chit-chatting, right? Making our way through down Gull Road. Starts off downhill, which is no, that's not helpful either, just because you start out too fast, right? You need to conserve that energy. So we're on the route and we get to the engineering part, which is like this sort of a cul-de-sac is the only way I could describe it. And because it's in the shape or it reminds me or the road is like a figure eight, I always get twisted around in there. I cannot stand running back there. I couldn't tell if I was on my way in or on my way out. And it felt like I was in there for hours. I wasn't, but it felt like it. I decided I wanted to run a four hour marathon. That was my goal. I know you never should have a goal getting into your first one, but I had one because that's the kind of gal I am. I got to have a goal. I like a goal. So my goal was the four-hour marathoner. And so I was trying to sort of keep the four-hour pace group in my sights. I wanted to run my race, but I also wanted to sort of keep him in my sights. And I remember up until then, I did. I had him in my sights. And then we leave the engineering park and we're running down towards um, Bronson Boulevard, which is my favorite. Bronson Boulevard is like a slight downhill slope. So not downhill enough where you feel like you're jamming your knees, just downhill enough to feel like you got a little bit of momentum. Before Bronson Boulevard, you go on Parkview and Parkview is like these rolling hills. And I love hills. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. There wasn't any flat It felt so good to just let my legs fly on the down and really get strong and dig on the up. I just loved it. And I left my four hour pace people in the dust. I just was ready to rock. The worst part for me was that engineering part park that was done and I was ready to go. I was ready to go. And my watch I recognized started beeping at me saying, it doesn't say it. But the beep was, you're going too fast, you're going too fast, you're going too fast. I didn't pay any attention. I was high, right? I was totally high. I was loving every minute of my run. Run down Bronson Boulevard. And one of my favorite people in the whole entire world is Ken Detloff. And he is at the bottom of Bronson Boulevard. And and I go through Bronson Boulevard dancing. I'm spinning around. I'm doing the shuffle feet. I was running at this point about a 7.30, 8-minute mile which is not what I should have been running at all. And he said, wow, you should probably slow down. Oh, I'm great, Ken. I'm great. I'm so great. This is so awesome. It's the best thing ever. That's me. 
keep running, running, running. I run like that up until about 18, 19 miles. I'm 18 or 19 miles in when the first pains start to creep in. I noticed some hot spots on my feet. I had done uh, the marathon error. I bought new socks. Bad choice. Don't ever do that. Don't ever buy anything new just before a race. You got to train in it. I bought new socks. I was so nervous. And um, so I noticed a hot spot on my feet. I'll be all right. I mean, I'm at like 18, 19 miles, right? I've got 26 total to go. So I've got less than 10 miles left. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I will say, I know around the 18 mile is when I start to lose my high. That was, it just, that's just was my long distance running mileage. 18, 19 miles, I start to sort of fade and I start to feel the body pains, the body aches, the body noticings. Before then, you you couldn't have even told me I had a body. So I think to myself, all right, have a little treat, right? Have a little M&M. What kind of treat you want? You want a little junior mint? You want a little M&M? You want a little, maybe you want a little jelly bean. What do you want? What do you want? So I take a little treat. I can't remember what it was, but I take a little treat, try to juice myself up with a little bit of energy. It was a much warmer day now than what we had been training in. We'd been training. It was Michigan. It's cold, right? Well, now it was, this particular day, it was getting kind of warm. I had a, I had a tank top on, which I always have. And I had my long sleeve, really lightweight running top, which I wore so often during training. But I'm starting to get kind of hot, which it is what it is. I get a little drink. I've got those water pouches on my back, like, right, like gun holsters. Got my little water pack. So I take a little sip of water, squirt a little bit on my head. All right, you can keep going. Get to the next, um, Oh, you got some hills over on the other side of town. So get to the next hill. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I can run another hill. But I make it up and I'm starting to slow. Starting to slow down. Finally, it was about the 20 miles and I was done. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. My body was hurting. My mind was hurting. I I just knew I was done. I had 10K left and I just couldn't do it. So I walked walked a little bit. And then I started to pull my head out of my ass a little bit. All right, Mel, you've trained. You've gone longer than this in training. My longest training run, like I said, was 22 miles. You've gone longer than this. Come on, Mel, you can do it. Come on, come on. Right? You start to give yourself a little pep talk. You could do it. You could do it. All right. All right. Get to the 23 mile and I'm walking again and I'm bawling now. I'm absolutely bawling. And the most amazing thing happened. All of a sudden on the side of the road, I was in a neighborhood. Side of the road, this girl comes up to me and says, I've been watching you. I've gone to different places on the run route. I've been watching you purple. That's what they called me. My shirt was purple. My hair was purple. People that would cheer, right? Have you ever gone to a race? People cheer and they just pick out whatever's easiest. And I was in purple, almost all purple. It's my favorite color. Don't give up. I ran the 5K today. You make me think I could run farther. You're my hero. Don't give up. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, that's fine. 
She's going to come with you a while? Okay. So she starts running. She goes, let's run. So we're running a little bit. I'm still eating my jelly beans. I know I was eating jelly beans at this point. I'm eating my jelly beans. And she says, you know, there's a lot of people that can't do what you're doing. I know. You only got three miles left. Yeah, I know. I think you could do it. I don't know if I can. I think you can. I think you're strong enough to do it. And in my head, that old thing was, you're not strong. You've been faking all this time. You're nobody. You're nothing. But that girl was with me. I look back now, I don't know if she was a reality. I think she was like a mirage. She came to me like an angel. I wish I knew who she was. I would thank her. I don't think I would have finished without her. But she ran with me a while and she gave me just enough juice. Just enough juice to get going. Just enough. I come down through the park. It's the last park that you run through and my feet are on fire. And this particular park, it's got these cracks in the pavement and the blacktop. And they are, every time I land on them, I am screaming in pain because my feet are on fire. There's nothing you can do about it. You just keep going or you quit. And all of a sudden, my fitness instructor Um, Craig, I talked about him earlier. He was the one who did one of the workout, the hit high intensity, high intensity interval training. And he was the one who told me, you don't need to lose weight. You need to get strong. You need to build muscle. So he wanted to be there at the race. So there he was. I was walking again. And he said, He knew just what I needed. He knew just what I needed. He'd seen me working out. He'd worked me out. He was my, right? He had been my trainer. He knew. He's like, I'd been, he was not a runner. He's like, do you know I've been training to run with you? This isn't running. I didn't train to walk with you. I trained to run with you. Are you, we going to run? You told me you were going to run this between a 930 and a 10 minute mile. Are we running or are we walking? Because I have been training to run. And if you're going to walk, then I'm going to run away without you. Holy shit, if that didn't fire me right up, that was exactly what I needed. All of a sudden, I was like, you are right. I am a runner. He's like, how strong are you? I am so strong. How strong are you? God, it was crazy. All of a sudden, he had me screaming and yelling just like he did when I was in his workout class. He had me thinking I was the shit all over again. You can do it. I can. You came out here to run. Are you going to be a runner? I'm a runner. God, it was crazy. But he did it. He got me going. All of a sudden, my watch stopped beeping at me for going too slow. And he had me finishing up. He ran me all the way up um, Brook Drive Hill. God, another hill, right? Like, we had a lot of hills. You wouldn't, you'd think we are San Diego. We're not, but you'd think so, the way we got the hills. Anyway, he ran me up Brook Drive. 
Oh man, I know I wasn't—I know I wasn't running very fast, but I was giving it everything I had. He goes, "All right, I'll see you at the finish." So he left me, and not long before, another friend popped up. Her name is Sue. So I had been friends with her daughter and I, Amber, and I worked together. There was Sue waiting for me. Oh, she was so, so sweet. She's like, Mel, you're going to be okay. Come on, I'll run with you. You're going to be okay. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to (laughs) be. It's that roller coaster of emotion, right? I don't know if I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You can do it. She ran with me a ways, and finally, when we turned the corner on Go Road, which is the last, well, you have to turn to run in the chute, but it was the last road you're on. I had less than a mile to go. And she said, all right, you finish. And I don't have any recollection any longer. I remember her leaving me at that corner. And then I had to run the rest of the way, which again was not far, but oh, it looks like forever. If you've ever run a race and you've given it everything you have and there's nothing left in you, it's like it just keeps going on. I recently saw this picture that either someone posted in the Your Turn page or on somebody's private page, I can't remember, but It was a sign someone was holding that said, you're not even close to finishing. And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're not even close, even though I knew I was. I mean, I knew where I was. Oh, it felt like I wasn't even close. So you run and then you turn the corner into the chute. And there was Rob Lilly. And Rob Lilly, you may or may not know him. He's like, a running icon in Kalamazoo. For years, he worked at Gazelle Sports managing. But more than that, he's a cheerleader for everyone who isn't confident. He's a cheerleader for everyone who is confident. He's a friend to all. He used to call me sis. He's the guy that you want to call your best friend. He always makes you feel like you can take on the world. He never makes you feel like you're not good enough to do that thing that you say you want to do. So Rob Lilly, there he is. Oh, I cannot remember if he called me in or if he like ran. To be honest, I don't know. All I know is I hear Rob Lilly in my head and I know he was there with me at the end. But I don't know exactly what that means or where that was exactly. I had lost all sense of myself. And I go into the chute. And the next thing I recall is sort of people giving me food and drink as I was laid down on a cot in the tent. Like in a in a unit unit finished so good tent. <laughs> Or we're a little worried for your health tent. I don't remember anything else before that. I remember sort of kind of like, I know I didn't pass out. I know I didn't, but someone would have told me, I think. But I sort of, that was where I pick up memory was laying there and people giving me stuff to drink. 
and Jimmy leaning over me crying. I know that it seems so silly that I keep crying, and yet it was so powerful. All of the doubts, all of the fears. It's like all of it had been put to the test, training for that thing, and then racing it. I found out later I didn't make my goal. I finished the marathon in four hours and nine minutes and something. So I didn't finish strong. But I finished so proud of what I had accomplished. I felt like I could do anything. I could do anything. I could be anything. It was it was magical and painful. When we took off my socks and shoes, I had blisters on my feet the size of my feet. <laughs> I had to go buy those. I couldn't wear shoes anymore. (laughs) It took me days to walk again. I mean, I had given it everything I had. And then what I didn't have left, my heart pulled me to the finish. It was an experience that I, I know I'll never have again. Because you only get that really once. You only get to experience a thing in in its clarity one time. Even if you do it again, and I've and I've done, and I've tried. Oh, but that that did something to me, and it's one of the reasons that running has become something I want to train women to do most. Not that I think you can can't find power through other things. Not that I think. Running's the only way. I don't think that at all. I just think that's the way it was for me. And for others, maybe you'll find that same thing. That's really every time I meet a lady who comes to the Your Turn group, it's what I want them to find first is their power. Everything else will come. I think... But their power to find that you can take it back. That you have the capability of being and doing anything. is something beyond. Oh, it was beyond my own imagination. We had this Dawn hosted this nice party at her house. And afterwards we went. It was so lovely to sit because I couldn't stand up. And so lovely to chat. and So lovely to revisit that experience. But mostly, it was so wonderful to sit with these people who I had just grown to love so much and sort of relish in our accomplishment. And we all shared stories, right? Jim was there and Jim shared stories and Jennifer was there and she shared stories and my brother Jeremy was there and he shared stories and Dawn and myself and Jimmy. It was just such a great way to sort of celebrate Not just the training and not just the race, but just all of it. How it all came together and how we all found each other. We didn't know each other before. 
what a great gift that was. And how now it's done. Now what do you do? I trained for 18 or 20 weeks to do that. Before that, I had trained to do a triathlon. I lost weight, trained to get strong. Now it's over. What do you do? I mean, you can keep trying to run marathons. That's time consuming. With my lifestyle, I didn't know if that was going to be feasible. And it was more than just me now. It was this group. Well, and what happened after is people wanted to go back to their lives. Right? So-and-so went back to work. So-and-so went back to school. So-and-so just didn't want to run anymore. And so it was sort of like one of those things where all of a sudden, again, old Mel. That fucker old Mel. (laughs) She had not let up. Not yet. She was still there waiting. Waiting. Waiting for me to be alone. Waiting for me to feel that old disappointment. Waiting for me to blame everyone else except taking responsibility for myself. Old Mel was still hanging around. And new Mel was searching for that feeling I got on that one run that was so much more powerful than anything else. That's where I'm going to leave it for today. Can't even tell you how long I've been talking. Probably a long time. My face is puffy and red and I got snot everywhere because I keep crying. And I guess the one thing I want to leave you with here is... A, it's okay to feel those feelings if you have them like me. And and B, it is such an amazing feeling to finish something bigger than you. It is such an amazing feeling to do it with other people. Which, if you haven't guessed, is where your turn comes in. But I got one more story to share between the beginning of your turn and the end of the marathon. Oh, I'm going to cry one more time. Sorry, friends. Sorry. But it is where I found myself. That comes next. So for today, oh God, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I feel like I've been through a therapy session and now I need a nap. Or, you know, some sort of a cup, cup of hot tea and a hot tub maybe. So, that's the end for today. Next time, I'm going to tell you about an experience that you might not believe. But it happened. My husband will tell you. My best friend, Annie, will tell you. And if my therapist weren't retired, he would definitely tell you. I am apprehensive, nervous, sort of afraid to share it with you because it seems so fucking crazy and out there but I promise to share my truth and if you're still listening 
then you're going to hear it. (laughs) All right. Friends, I hope you have a wonderful morning or night, daytime, whatever. But you know you, you do you. And I will see you next time.